Welcome, everyone, to the SmackDown 6 podcast, the only podcast on the internet, period. Full stop. There's no other podcasts out there, at least not when you're listening to it. Because in this moment, you've decided to say, you know what? I want to engage with the early 2000s of WWE programming. I've heard of this Ruthless Aggression era, or maybe I lived it, and I just want a little taste. I want to come back to it. I want to see what it was about. I really want to know what was leading up to Judgment Day 2003. Well, if that's you, that's a real crazy thought, and I'm really glad you're here because you're with some real crazy folks like yourself. Um, not really the same kind of crazy. I don't even know if I can say crazy anymore. And I'm not saying that I can play anyway. I just don't know what to say because I think things are crazy. Things are insane. And I'm like, those are probably not acceptable words to use when we're talking about things like mental health. Anyway, how you doing? I'm Matt. I am your uh, – I'm, I'm the, the host of this podcast, Matt Vaughn. Great to have you here. We've been doing this for a while. Uh, and you know what? Today, to help me cover the May 15, 2003 episode of SmackDown is a guy you've seen. Hopefully you've seen him. His little face poking up from your YouTube recommendations. He's he's next to pictures of, of board games you haven't played before. Maybe some you have. For a bunch of party on YouTube, it's Daniel Pettipa. How you doing, Daniel? What's up? What's up, Matt? How's it going? Happy to be here. Love talking wrestling with you. And you know what, Daniel? I'm so glad to have you here because we got a show tonight that has a lot of weird little things about it and a lot of stuff that isn't good. Uh, and it's just a good show to talk about, though. And I feel like I I say that all the time when there's like bad shows recovering, and I'm afraid I'm coming across defensive. Uh, but I mean, the idea that someone would click on this and be like, oh, the SmackDown recovering was bad? Oh, pause, delete listen to something else it's like i feel like that's unlikely if you're here for the ride you're here for the ride and at this point we've had we've covered bad smackdowns at this point we may not have covered the worst smackdown yet though i don't have one in <laughs> when, mind but when, when is that happening Matt? because i don't know i don't my, know my, my honest guess is like probably in the next like 10 weeks <laughs> probably we're in a rough patch are we we, it's kind of it's gonna get rougher because then we're gonna start having single brand pay per views and we're gonna have stretches of like ten smackdowns in a row with no pay per view to build up to. Uh, but you know today, Daniel, we're covering the May 15, 2003 episode of SmackDown. We're building up to Judgment Day because Judgment Day is on Sunday in this magical Woo! world we live in, where it's May 2003. Um, it, it, by the way, if it is May 2003 when you're listening to this, buy Bitcoin. I can't stress that enough. I don't know how you do it in 2003. I would I would move heaven and earth to buy some and then sell it in I don't know 2018 probably is the best bet. Uh, that would be what I recommend to you. Uh, also, to, to any of our time travelers out there. Yeah. Also, if you want to time travelers, I, this is and let me just this might seem dark, but it's hard not to bring it. I mean, if you could just stop the cruel Chris Benoit thing, I think that would be great. Weird to think that if you want to be a real hero, you would go out and you would shoot Chris Benoit in like March 2007. That would be a win. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or or give him some help for that. That's fine. Whatever. How would you do that, though? Here's the thing. Because the thing is, how would you convince him, like, hey, you need help. You're going to kill your family. Like, no, I'm not. I'm from the future. <laughs> he'd, he'd go he'd go bonkers earlier, I guess. Probably. He'd just kill me. Uh, anyway, dark thought. But we're covering this episode of SmackDown. It was taped on May 13th, 2003. Uh, it emanated from the first Mariner Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. I assume it's named after the first sailor who went to Baltimore. Probably named after a bank. I'm not going to look it up, but whatever. If you're in Baltimore, you know that. That's great. Uh, and the TV rating, Daniel, this episode did a 3.2. It did not beat Raw. Like, can you believe that? That's, that? that's a lot of people. And then we're just like not beating Raw. That's funny. That's funny. We're in a different world, man. We're in a different world. It's true. Uh, now, Daniel, I usually have a question each week for our guest. Sometimes related to the episode, sometimes not. This one is very related to the episode. 
how did you feel about there being four matches on this show? You know, I, honestly, honestly, I really like. I enjoyed that this show was segment heavy. Okay. I did. I did. I have a different perspective on this because the last episode I covered with you, yes, there was a bunch of matches. And they were all mediocre at best, and I felt like none of them had energy to them, none of them had gusto, none of them did much to move the needle on the stories. Yeah. And so I felt like at least, by and large, the story was moving forward tonight. Yeah. You and, know what? That's, that's a good point. And I was happy about that. For sure. The interesting thing, so Daniel, here's the thing, is that between Backlash and Judgment Day, there were three episodes of SmackDown only. So like even so these three weeks they are packed and them being like like the first episode like the first show after backlash they're like oh we're having a ladder match with the with team Guerrero, team Angle and the Gross we're gonna do that right away they're like they're they're making these matches instantly because they have to do that and the stretcher match they have to like move all this stuff around so quickly that yes. they they can't help but do exactly what you're saying which is like it's a, three weeks is insane to do between pay like you couldn't you, it's a pace you couldn't give up because you would do I don't know 15 or 18 pay-per-views a year and that would be ridiculous right I'm but, not happy uh, for anyone. Yeah, it's but it's funny that you, you you point that out. Now I will say, when I saw it was four matches, I went back because I was like, when was the last time we did a show with four matches? Have we ever done some with only four matches? Uh, of course, Daniel, I remember we you and I did a show where there was nine matches. Yeah, we did. I want to go back and watch because that's so insane. That's that's oh, ring that's entrances. Oh, that's yeah. nine finishes you have to book. I mean, at some point, I bet the guys who book the show are like. Four matches, good. I can handle this. Okay, roll up, DQ, finisher, count out. Boom, I did it. In and out. Uh, but there was a ma- there was a show, J- December 26, 2003, so just a couple, a few months ago, well, five months ago, just about, uh, around in, uh, in, in 2003 time. Uh, and there was, uh, yeah, there was only four matches then. Now, I will say, <clears throat> that show uh, was the day after Christmas. It had... Uh, a tag team match that was like 16 minutes long and was like almost a four-star match, according to the Wrestling Observer, uh, Dave Meltzer. Uh, the guy he was. Meltzer driver. Oh, boy. Uh, we had a whole discussion with the Young Bucks before we got on mic uh, and about how I love them so much. And I just I yeah. love their style of wrestling. I think it's great. And uh, it's the future. And I uh, don't fact check this or ask me about this in person. Uh, the other thing I will say about that show, too, is that the main event was Chris Benoit versus Big Show for the number one contendership for Royal Rumble. Uh, for the okay. title match of Royal Rumble, so that's so we're moving things along there at a time. And like just to be clear, like having only four matches could is potentially not that bad, right? Because you could do if you had four ten minute matches, that's like crazy. That'd be way much, way better. It'd be double the amount of wrestling that's actually on this show. But um, segment heavy. Well, Daniel, let's, we let's, we can talk about all sorts of segments. Let's do it, man. Let's, Even last week though, last week's episode there were a lot of segments. We're gonna talk about that. You know, last week's episode of the podcast, a very special episode. There were the asterisks around this episode because it was the episode where SmackDown was in Halifax, had both our brothers on here. Great, a lot of fun to reflect on that. Talk about a little bit, talk about Raw as well. Um, not Raw as War, Raw as well. And so, yeah, let me tell you what this is the last week on SmackDown. It was Halifax, I was there. Hulk Hogan appeared via satellite from Tampa, but also Mr. America was in Halifax. That was like the whole trick sort of thing. They were like, oh, he can't be in two places. Is he the same guy or not? Uh, so, something wonky was happening there. Uh, Brock Lesnar was due to tag with Chris Benoit against A-Train and Big Show, uh, but he got stuck in a room by the FBI uh, with a forklift. So he had to settle for running out after the main event between Benoit and Big Show. I don't think we ever saw how uh, Brock Lesnar did that. I assume he ripped a door off the handles or hinges or something. I'm not sure. Is it, Daniel, real quick, is this your first experience with Mr. America? Yes, I just okay. got the teaser trailers before. Okay. 
What do you think of this? Is this fun to you? Or you think it's dumb? Is it, what do you think? Of so I was really relieved and I, I went to ask you about this before, but I was really relieved that nobody's pretending that's not Hulk Hogan. Like everybody knows it's Hulk Hogan. And it's it's just, kind of tongue in cheeking pretending that it's not yeah, Hulk Hogan. It, it, comes, it comes across like Hulk Hogan is just using this to get under McMahon's skin. So right. it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, there's one thing, I don't know if I'm talking about now or later, but there's one thing that I was just like, what, what? Because Vince McMahon is going off about Hulk Hogan being greedy because he is double dipping. He's getting paid to stay home. Right. He's getting paid to be here. I'm like, why are you paying him twice? Don't well, that's just it. control that? Well, so that this, just makes McMahon yeah. the idiot. Right? We'll, we'll talk more about it. We'll talk more about it at the time. He might, but he, I mean, he is the idiot in some ways. So that's, I, I get that for sure. <laughs> Uh, so good. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we're going to get into that because it's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, even when the, when he debuted, I remember um, to Colin Taz, I, they set the tone right away, which I appreciated, which was they were like, oh, he's I don't remember the exact things they, they said, but they were just like kind of like pointing out like so similar, like kind of like just like as a little joke thing. So it's like everyone's playing along, which is good because it's not the, it's not like. Uh, like the 80s, like this cartoonish thing of just like we're all pretending we, we all think the Undertaker's a dead guy. Right. Like it's like, no, no, it's more like this is all we're playing along. And the joke is that we're we're doing it at the expense of a big, dumb uh, billionaire dude. So that makes more sense. So let's talk about this episode. Let's talk about Velocity. Velocity is episode 52, Daniel. You know what that means? They've been doing Velocity for a year now. Oh, my goodness. Surely they're almost up to speed. At this point, I mean, it must be increasing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much faster you could go, really. And so before what we saw in Velocity, we also had dark matches here. Um, Joey Matthews defeated Crowbar. Crowbar was was uh, escorted to the ring with uh, by Daphne, who uh, at the time recorded his podcast recently died, which is uh, oh. a bit of a bummer. But she was around wrestling, and uh, now she's uh, hopefully uh, the big. I don't know. I feel almost bad being like she's in the big ring in the sky. Cause it's like I hope people. Who <laughs> Like wrestling, don't have to keep going back to wrestling. Maybe she likes movies. She's a big movie theater in the sky. Right, right. Give her, give her the freedom to live out her after life as she chooses. That exactly. And just to be clear, I might sound like I'm having an overly simplistic view of like what the afterlife is, but guess what? You haven't died. You haven't been there, and you don't know. So I'm just reminded of the reminded of of a Kurt Angle line that that happened at one point where he was. Uh, I think it was when they were he was defending Team Angle uh, against accusations that they injured Edge. Uh, and I think he just said, we didn't do it, and you can't prove it. And they just moved on. And I was just like, I have to I appreciate the guts of that just to be, like, so dismissive. So, like, even if we did do it, you get nothing on us. We're moving on. All right. I respect it, Kurt. Uh, man, I'd love to have just a, a portrait of Kurt. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, a big picture of him. Yeah, I mean, that would be really nice if we could, like, have that. And maybe oh. even, like, just some, like uh, – like accessories that we could stick on there too. Mm. That'd be really nice. Yes, yeah, like that magnetic uh, beard guy who probably is a name that I can't remember. <laughs> you know the game where you like put beard, you put magnetic shavings on a guy. Anyway, very potential. <laughs> I would even said I would settle for seeing other people do that on television. I would. Anyway. Yeah. Also, like if if it was Eddie Guerrero, I would pay for it. Oh, you're now you're oh, now you're you're speaking my language. That would be that would be best case scenario. Also on Velocity, this is the sh- this is the stuff they actually showed. This is stuff that I saw on YouTube. By the way, all of, every Velocity, as far as I can tell, is on YouTube in a clips format where they don't have the uh, like the promos and stuff for SmackDown. What happened? Which makes sense. You know, why would you want to go back and watch that? That part seems insane. So it's good to do this. Um, so Crash was put away by Spanky with slice bread number two. 
So Spanky's coming in. He's doing his thing. He's he's getting wins here, getting Ws here. A Train got the pin on Canyon after he hit the derailer, which is his uh, his Baldo bomb choke slam there. So uh, Canyon getting another opportunity to shine here. Uh, I think he only kind of shows up on velocity, and he might be coming up on his final appearance here. So too bad for Canyon. Um, and then finally in the main event, Rhino Gord built a mot for the win. Okay, good for Rhino. Yeah, super super Rhino. glad for Rhino. Uh, I, yeah, Bill DeMott, just, I don't know how he wasn't released sooner. It took him forever to get released. I think it took him, uh, you know, he's around for more than a decade after this, right? Because he only got released after he became, like, uh, cancelable for being abusive, right? Oh, yeah, but but his role wasn't on TV, though. No, no, no. I'm sorry, he wasn't wrestling as a 49-year-old <laughs> fat guy. He was here wrestling as a 37-year-old fat guy at the time. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, just to be clear, Bill DeMott's a better shape than me, but actually, I don't know if that's true. I'm not, like, in great shape, but he was, like... <laughs> He's just bigger, but I don't know which direction he's bigger. If it's all muscle, if it's all fat, what it is. Well, uh, whatever. When he was he on like tough enough and stuff. It didn't look, it didn't look a healthy bigger, but that's fine. Yeah, he does look like one of those guys. If you punched him, you wouldn't get anywhere. Like, he just looks very solid. Again, yeah. not a compliment per se. Not necessarily a good thing. I don't know. I don't. Leave, I'm not trying to make everybody happy on this podcast. Just to be clear, I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not going on my way to like you know upset people and work people over and kind of be like oh, you know I'm not like. I'm not giving up like spitting hot takes here, but at the same time, I'm also not giving people off easy here. Matt, Matt is feeling particularly salty tonight. I think there's, there's I am. Some saltiness in his soup. I am. I'm shadow boxing tonight, and that's an energy that I hope you can appreciate, and one that I hope doesn't cost me any sort of personal professional problems because of my. <laughs> not, I mean, right now, but, I'm but, it, but if it does, we'll tell you all about it, and we'll Absolutely. frame it under the theming of a wrestling match. That's right. <laughs> exactly. We'll tell you the story. So let's get to this week's episode of SmackDown. And Daniel, I was so excited when I saw this because I clicked on I clicked on the episode of SmackDown, and I saw that even before the intro started, this episode of SmackDown on the WWE Network is an hour and seventeen minutes. Yes. Which means it's it, ten minutes shorter than it should be. Immediately, I thought Matt is going to have a lot to say about this because you you are a hawk when it comes to noticing that episodes are shorter and there's always something juicy about it and so i am excited to find out what it is because i couldn't figure it out I right couldn't figure it out you know like as far as i can tell it's always juicy it's all there's always a reason because it's like they would keep it in otherwise right they would totally keep it in it would be if it's boring they have boring stuff they don't edit that stuff out all the time they have terrible you know Rikishi's matches are all here they're here in full uh, but, you know, all the other matches, all the other stuff, it's like it, it's questionable stuff. Now, essentially, there's there's a big segment that's missing. There's a segment before that. There's a promo for that segment. And then there's a random thing that's unrelated to it that is also not there. And I can't explain why. But you will get <laughs> someone into it got again. trigger happy with the control Z. They were just like, I, yeah, they're just like, we'll delete that clip, too. And someone's like, what was that? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I hope it wasn't a match. And it wasn't. It was fine. Uh, so yes, usually SmackDowns are an hour twenty-five, hour twenty-six. Sometimes they, they can kind of they can uh, vary here on the network. But it's an hour seventeen. So I will tell you. So we're gonna go through the show exactly how it is on the network. If you watched it and followed along, be like, great. And at some points, I'm gonna go like, time out, and we'll talk about what happened, what's missing. Because I'm thrilled to do that. We start the show off with the beautiful people intro. I think maybe, if I'm not mistaken, and as I'm speaking slowly and looking. I will say this. I believe that is the last time we see the beautiful people intro. We're gonna we're gonna really? say goodbye to it. Yeah, we are changing really? things up. It felt and, it felt different too. Like it felt. Ooh, yeah, you, it you felt the energy. Cool. You're like, well, it's end of an era here. <laughs> That's right. It was a premonition. 
Yeah. It's funny because I, I you know, I went back and watched Raw last week because I watched Raw and SmackDown. I was at both, which is kind of a, you know, a more wrestling heavy week for for the podcast to watch it. And it still strikes me that the Rock is in both. At the time when they they are, you know, they have this this brand split. They're so keen about it. They're just like, but we like, and they've had excuses where the Rock is in both, kind of. Um, but it's just funny. It's funny to me. But this is a beautiful people intro. Marilyn Manson, problematic figure in 2021. Um, he's gone. Beautiful people out the door. We're gonna be moving in a more hip hop direction. Dude, do we have a memorial service, Matt, or what? Um. You know, I'll just say, you know, I want you to imagine right now that Daniel and I are podcasting. It's raining. I'm wearing black. He's also wearing black. It's respectful. We're standing at a grave site for it's, it, it's. So in the grave, you were to look in it, it would be a loop of the video playing. It's not very loud because it's going to get buried in dirt. And uh, as Daniel and as, was, as yeah. Stephanie McMahon kisses the screen, the dirt oh, covers Stephanie, the screen. This is great. Stephanie's here. Perfect. OK, this is good. It's even better. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just like, as the dirt is going on there, I, I say solemnly, um, when you're with Ace Man, it's hard to be clean, which I believe is the last line that we hear of the beautiful people intro there. Uh, and then Daniel, Stephanie, and I walk out hand in hand. Stephanie's in the middle because it's not that's not Daniel and I. We're not that. <laughs> we're not into that funny stuff. I just like, <laughs> you're in the like I wouldn't touch him. Are you kidding me? I have to have a hot lady in between. <laughs> to to be fair to all of our beautiful smack acts out there. Matt and I have touched each other often and quite a bit. Right. Uh, that makes you feel better about how we're uh, relating here. Right. In, in you know, fr- friendly ways, you know. Uh, <laughs> wake, wake. Yeah. You know, we're going to leave it there because I love it. I love it. I would, that said, I would walk away from a gravesite holding stuff in your man's hand as long as she was also holding Daniel's hand. I think that would be acceptable to me. I'd be fine with that. That's right. Even You're- today. Yeah. I love that. Just, That's beautiful. Just a little uh, uh, united in our sorrow. That's right. It's not a thruple. It's not polyamorous. It's just a sorrowful thing. Just to be clear. <laughs> Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Not polyamorous. That's not how I roll. Pyro goes off. We're live to tape in Baltimore. And uh, we're told Mr. America will be on Piper's Pit tonight. We get to see a graphic of both Piper and Mr. America. Mr. America is saluting in a white T-shirt that says Mr. America on it. That's right. I have no idea who this is, Matt. It's a huge question mark as to who it is. The mustache is there. The the mask is there. Uh, it didn't do a lot with the mask. It's blue. It's got a star on it. But like awkwardly, like right in the middle right of the, the face. face. Well, I think there was there was a I think it was a wrestling video game like for the NES that had like a guy named Starman who had a very similar mask. So I don't think they're okay. not referencing that, but there it is. <laughs> they were just so looking for, for ideas. Se- yeah, maybe. They're just kind of like uh, we call him Billy the Bruiser. Uh, anyway, so for the second week in a row, Vince McMahon's music hits, and that's how we open SmackDown. Vince McMahon walking out. Mr. Man, uh, Vince gets on the mic. He says, we all know who Mr. America is. He's Hulk Hogan. And he's deceitful, which is un-American. Americans, of course, famously, integrity, especially the international scene. No questions <laughs> there. Vince tries to, to quell a what chant. This is a time, just reminded everybody here, this is a time in 2003 where if you had a promo and you had took any time to pause – the crowd would chant what at you, which was something I believe Steve also pioneered in, I think, either early 2002, maybe late 2001. And it carried on forever. It's ended forever. recently. Forever. Forever. Yeah. It has not gone away. It has so not this gone. is really interesting to me because I was thinking about, okay, so we're in a land where Stone Cold has recently left. Like, yep. 
but he's, he's on he's on Raw now. He's a character on Raw now. Okay, okay. He's there. He's a co GM. He's there every week. Okay, okay. So that's yeah. That's really interesting. But yes. We're we're having like this sort of like interesting thing. His influence is still being felt over you know on all the wrestling shows. And mm-hmm. what was going through my mind was, what was the conversations at this time when the What Chant was new? Right. You know, were they coaching the guys on how to like do a promo through a What Chant? Was Vince McMahon, like, expecting it to go away and starting to get frustrated at this point that it wasn't going away? Because he was kind of, like, he wasn't dealing with it well. He was pretty, like... Well, that's the question, is that is he not dealing with it well, or is he engaging with it uh, on a character right. level? Because right. what he does is that he he tells the crowd to shut up. He says it loudly, uh, it's being angry about it, and the crowd chants it louder at him, which is what happens. Yes. They, which is what you're, you're kind of looking for that reaction. And then they also chant asshole at him, which is also quite fun. They do that a yeah, few times. Yeah, he, he, got, he got a good, yeah, he got a good reaction. Vince is great at getting the reactions he wants. Yeah. So here's the thing, Daniel. This is what you talked about earlier. Vince makes this point. I think it's a very valid practical point. He says that Mr. America is Hulk Hogan. And then he's double dipping because he's paying Hogan to stay home. And Mr. America is being paid by Stephanie to wrestle on SmackDown. And so the thing is, though, is that Vince so, – so here's the thing. If Vince wanted to stop paying one of them, he had to breach one of their contracts, and he can't do that because they're ironclad. And so if he stops paying Mr. America, he'll be like, why are you stop paying me? He's like, oh, you're Hulk Hogan. He said, you haven't proved it. That's his problem. He needs to prove it, Daniel. Oh, I see. I see. That sounds I pre- like garbage to me, but that's fine. <laughs> that's I, the only fine. thing I liked about it is that it was so cartoony before. It was just kind of like, I just I just hate the guy. And you're like, okay, like I guess that's a reason you could be that's – a, that's a wrestling reason. But I like the idea of Vince being more practical, like, he's taking my money. And also, it's like, Hulk Hogan should actually, he would be getting paid double here, in theory. Um, he should keep his story going for as long as he can. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I, I, love, I love the need to take off his mask and to prove it once mm. and for all. When he has the same weightlifting belt and his, his feather boas. <laughs> it's like, he's not leaving much up to the imagination that he's not no. It's a cover act, but with a mask. Uh, is what, what we, how we would are supposed to believe it. And so Vince, so Vince is talking about Mr. America. He's trying to disparage him. He says that Mr. America batters women, which is a really loaded way to describe what happened. <laughs> right. I was alarmed when I heard. You this. should be alarmed. It's an alarming way of phrasing it, because Vince tried to unmask Mr. America last week, and and uh, Mr. America pushed his head back while he was getting unmasked, and he he knocked into Vince behind Vince with Stephanie. Vince knocked into Stephanie. Uh, obviously, Mr. McMahon here is claiming that that's not his fault. It's Mr. America's fault for for kind of rearing back there. Uh, and so it's also funny because we see clips of what happened and Colin and Taz are talking over it. But it's clear this is a, what we they call in Hollywood ADR. This is where they ad- added lines of dialogue to explain something because it's it's it connects too perfectly. Each clip is is concise and described perfectly every time, and that's just not how you would do that on a live to tape thing. Right. So just enjoy that, like pointing that out. So, says, so Stephanie yeah. has like a nice like bruise here. Did she actually get that during that altercation? I think I assume I assume it's made up, but that that is what it's from. That is what. Sorry, just to be clear. Storyline wise, that's why she has a bruise. Yes, but yes. but are we assuming she she got beaten by her real life husband? That actually no no. Gosh. <laughs> now you're really starting rumors. What are we going to accuse Triple H of today? I mean, Triple H did a lot of horrible things. I don't think he necessarily beat up women. He might have, but I don't think he did. Uh, I'm at least I'm open to that possibility. Uh, I'm an open I'm an open guy. Uh, so Vince says he won't fight Mr. America, but someone else will. And so he's talking. He says he wants the person to beat up Mr. America. He wants him to beat him up, 
He wants him to castrate him. Castrate him. I was like, ugh. And they say he wants <laughs> well, that's to. That's so McMahon. That's so McMahon to just go. Uh, I want you to cut his dick off. Yeah, and it's great. That's... It's great. I love it. I can't get right. enough. I can't get enough of outlandish threats. Well, do you get it? Can you get enough of him wanting Mr. America to be beaten to a pool of, quote, his own feces? Can't. <laughs> can't. Give me Horrifying concept. And then after all both those things happen, when Mr. America has uh, had his penis removed and has splashed around in a pool of his own excretions, then Vince will remove Mr. America's mask. That's how it's going to go. And and so the FBI interrupts. You know, these little jamokes who walk around here, they, they look like losers every week. Well, they interrupt Vince McMahon. Uh, and Vince gives them a look like, do these jamokes are interrupting Vince McMahon, which I think is fair. And so they come out and they introduce themselves. They show a video package called the FBI's Greatest Hits. They're trying to they're, they're putting themselves out there saying, hey, you want someone to beat him into his pool of his own feces? We're those guys. And so uh, we see clips of things like uh, Johnny Stamboli military pressing Rikishi. And after he does this big red wax label on top of his face. <laughs> now, Whacked. Just to be clear, whacking people in uh, mafia parlance means they're killed. They're murdered. Yeah, these people did not look dead after no. the FBI was now, granted, this video package looked pretty, like, looked pretty good. Like, it looked like they got some street cred here. But then it was just like, show me any footage before or after they got this little clip and show me losers, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's happening here. This is very selectively edited. I mean, they're, you know, they're showing Undertaker getting smacked to the chair, Nathan Joe's getting taken out, beating down Benoit. Uh, now, they do, there's something they also add here, too, is uh, – Benoit got super kicked by Chuck Palumbo, and every time they show the super kick, there's bullet noises. Yes. Boo. Boo. Yes. It's just like yeah. he shows it one time. Boo. Shows it another time. Boo. And you're like, oh, I guess he's getting shot there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so Nuncio tells Vince they should get a coffee and espresso and talk it over while Palumbo has his match because Chuck Palumbo is there and he's got a match tonight. And so uh, we have a, there's a few things that happen in the show. You're like, oh, you know, that doesn't really happen in wrestling that much. In this case, you just see a guy leave, and they, they essentially just dropped off Chuck Palumbo here. So Palumbo <laughs> stays. <clears throat> and so it's Rikishi, speaking of Rikishi, going up against Chuck Palumbo. And so Rikishi's walking out to the ring as Vince McMahon and Nunzio are leaving. And so Rikishi's walking out. He's got a bucket hat on. He looks dumb. It's a dumb look, the bucket hat. Uh, bucket, hats only look, the bucket hats are a toddler hat now. I think it's so funny about it. And like my little <laughs> son, like a, like a baby. You put a baby in a bucket hat, and you're like, oh, you look like a little loser from 2001. You look like a fat man with a big ass for 2001. I mean, the diaper sometimes. And so Rikishi's walking down the ring, and he pass when he passes Vince and Nuncio, Nuncio steps in front of Vince to like protect him. And Vince's face is like, okay, impressive, but like almost as a joke, like, oh, look who's protecting me here, Nuncio. As if Rikishi would just like kick him. It's like Rikishi, that's his boss too, even if he's saying horrible things on mic. And so Rikishi, uh, he has the upper hand for most of this match. Uh, you know, there's a couple of cheating attempts from Stan Boley that cause some problems here. Uh, so, like, Rikishi, Rikishi goes to knock – he knocks down Palumbo, and he goes to drag him in the corner for the bonsai drop. But uh, Stan Boley is grabbing Palumbo's leg, so tr- Rikishi trying to drag him. This, this is the way the two guys on there. He can't do anything about that. He's got to let him go. So Palumbo falls into prime stink face position, but R- Stan Boley gets involved. And so Rikishi kicks to get rid of him. Uh, it's like, And he's like – he's really involved at that point. It's kind of weird it wasn't his qualification. But uh, Palumbo super kicks Rikishi, and he gets the one, two, three. So Chuck Palumbo wins the opening contest. Yeah, so this was super underwhelming to me, where, like, just the energy of the match, the way it was going. Yeah. It didn't seem like super kick should be able to finish Rikishi. Like, it was like, like, that's not a move that finishes, 
matches often? It's Palumbo's finisher, but it's oh, true. Is it? It, yeah, oh. sort of. Yeah, it is. No, but, but, but your point still stands. It's not like because, because what what made yeah. it confusing to me then because this is this is great clarification, Matt, for all of our smack addicts at home. Absolutely. We <laughs> see Rikishi super kick Samboli. Yes. And then Palumbo super kicks Rikishi. So to me, it looks like a regular super kick followed by a regular super kick, and then the pinfall victory. And so I am confused because I'm like, why? And so if that's supposed to be a super, super kick, you did no favors by showing me a super kick immediately before that super kick. And I think actually, to your point, I think Rikishi's Savat kick rarely uh, ends matches. I think that it's more, <laughs> I think that, that is like, uh, he actually does have a, a lesser super kick in Chuck Palumbo because his super kick, of course, is, is in the little section of his life called finisher. It has more power. Because it has that magic <laughs> thing where people are magic, and if you have a finisher, it just does more damage than if other people did it, which is but, true. Sweet J Music, same thing. Yeah, but he tunes up the band. He does. You, or you he does it from that. nowhere, and it's also good. Oh, <laughs> or, yeah, it's the power of nostalgia behind it. And so Palumbo, uh, he kicks Rikishi after the match as well. And then we weirdly cut to Brock Lesnar coming into the arena. And it's like a weird cut. You're like, why is this happening right now? And he throws down a bag. And he, Brock Lesnar heads to the entrance of the ring, and we see Brock rushing to the ring to get revenge on the FBI for last week's trapping him in the in the door, in a room, I guess. He leaves the door to trap him in. And so Brock knocks down Stamboli. He gets an F5 on Chuck Palumbo, and then he leaves, having vanquished his foes. Yeah, so this was interesting to me as well, because in the clip that we saw, and you can clarify, who was driving the forklift? Palumbo. Oh, it was Palumbo. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, though. It does seem tough, but but uh, Danielle, the question is, does Brock Lesnar do anything other than just rush the ring on multiple occasions tonight? That's all he does. That's his thing. It's 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 quite lovely actually. I I was enjoying it. I was like, let's let let's make the big guy run a lot. He's consistent. It's good. And so we take a break and we see what happened at, during the break because there is a uh, they love doing this. They show the break. They said, oh, some stuff happened. You you missed it. It's like, well, I couldn't I couldn't watch it at the time. I'm sorry. And uh, so Brock <laughs> I was too busy watching a Swiffer commercial. I was. I was trying to find out uh, what the showtimes were for the next Matrix movie, and That's if I should get clear cell to so I could be good good looking for my my the girls in my school. So Brock walks to the back. He's interrupted by Stephanie, who says what he did was impressive. Now, but she says a stretch match hasn't happened in 17 years, which is weird because uh, as far as I can tell, it's been 22 years since the last stretcher match. It was in the 80s, but also they did it in house shows all the time. Yeah. Okay. I was just gonna say that because I was so confused because in Halifax. Yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. I saw a Vader versus Psycho Sid. Hold on. Match. Have we talked about how we were both at that show? I don't know. We, you and I were both at that show. Okay. <laughs> we didn't sweet. know each other. Because that's sweet. what we said on the podcast last week. I had my brothers who were there with me. We were like, we've seen Psycho Sid and Vader have a stretcher match. But this is the thing. Yeah, so they, they ignore those, Daniel. Because they announced okay. it last week. There's going to be a stretcher match. And I was like, there are people in this arena right now who have seen a stretcher match in the last 10 years that you yes. put on. Yeah. But here, okay, so the thing is, it's weird about the, like if, if if we ignore house shows, they ignore house shows all the time. We can accept that, right? They keep saying it happened 17 years ago. It happened 22 years ago. So so they got their numbers wrong, regardless of how we take this. And they got it wrong in the wrong direction. But like it happened more recently. It's like no, it's cooler if it's longer ago. Right, 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 right. It's a weird thing, but yes, thank you. I I love I love that you and I were both at the forum to see. I think it was the forum, maybe the Metro Center. I don't know. No, 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 no. Oh. oh, oh. That's a good question. Yeah. So you know what? Just, uh, it was the forum. 
We can we can look it up for sure. I should send uh, you. I can I can find you the card for that show. I'm gonna send it to you sometime. Well, main event: Shawn Michaels and Undertaker v Goldust and Mankind. That's right. Super sweet, man. I remember that very clearly. I want. Yeah, it's good. That's it. I mean, solid. Solid. Piece of business there. Uh, that was around Mind Games time. Yeah, that's about right. I yeah, think, yeah, that's right. Because it'd be a full '96. I think the house show was also like called my games. Like they kept like Ooh. at that time they kept the title like of the recent of doing that, like, or whatever. Because they would do that, they would do that for tours. They would have like a similar they would have a similar kind of name thing because it made sense. Like you want to have like the hey we're leading up to the thing you want you should buy. Yeah. Uh, something Stephanie says that's also strange and probably wrong is she says oh stretcher match is the most dangerous match there is. <laughs> Daniel, right now I want you to name a match more dangerous than the stretcher match. What's the first match that comes to mind? Last man standing. Oh, great. Okay, great. I'm gonna say my Hell in a Cell. I was like, what do you how, Hell in a Cell? What are you? What are you talking about like that is like the I would argue Hell in a Cell is like the match that WWE would want you to think is the most dangerous, right? Yeah, well, of course, and you're right, but I would argue that there's just tons of matches that are more dangerous than a stretcher match. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we could keep going. Like, I quit match probably more dangerous. Uh, obviously, yeah. similar to Last Man Standing. Um, you know, because well, the thing about Last Man Standing match is that like they can't stand. Like a stretcher match, you just have to like cross a line with them or something. <laughs> like, yeah, well, they they yeah they don't explain it really well here because at one point I'll talk about it a little bit more later. They say, oh, you got to put him on a stretcher and you had to make him leave the arena. It's like that's a really boring match where you have to literally run, go for like you know half a kilometer probably into the, into the depths of the arena and then out of it. Even then, it'd be like no, no. Logically, a stretcher match you should take him to an ambulance. Also yes. funny because. That would also make sense because there's things called ambulance matches. Also, is a very similar concept. <laughs> right. Anyway, she says they it's just, the most dangerous match there be, is. They should be booking something else, I think is our point. I mean, you know, but I just wouldn't say, just don't put it this way. Because just like, you know, you could say, because uh, stretcher match makes sense thematically because the whole stretcher dynamic of it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, oh, it's the most, I would say, yeah, he deserves it. This is, this is his just desserts. And so, yes, Stephanie here has um, a black eye, like you said. She also has weird flippy bangs. I don't know if it's intentional or if it just they're, is weird. They're, they're out of control. Yeah, they're not. It's not good. She's on television. Strange. Uh, Stemi says that Brock is the best pure athlete in WWE and a barbarian. And then he leaves. And Brock kind of likes that. But now, Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought this interaction was weird because Stephanie just walked up to him, said a bunch of stuff, and then left. I don't think he said anything, did he? he nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah, no. That's what. That's like what you would do. If you were a kid writing a movie, that's what you do. Stephanie walks up. She says eight lines of dialogue. Then she leaves. I'm like, okay. Have you ever. We, you made, know, we made our point, right? We yeah. The thing across. Great. Don't treat your W like your world champion like he's a like he works at McDonald's. He just walk out to him, say a bunch of stuff, and then walk away from him. But but now I mean I gotta say man, I'd rather that than when we get from Sean O'Hare when he has these really like forced one line situations that are just terrible. So. Gosh, what they do? Yeah, it's strange. Gosh, it's so strange. So Collins has. They talk about how cool Stephanie is, and talk about Mr. America, and then they throw him a clip. And the clip is Mr. America visiting injured soldiers in a military hospital. And very just bummed nice. me. What's that? <laughs> Sorry. I said very nice. Very nice. I was sad because it's like, just just, just have him be Hulk Hogan there. I know you. I know for the storyline you want to make it a whole thing, but I'm sad for these soldiers to have, like, this stupid gimmick and, like, well, I hope he takes you, his mask off. Do you know what I noticed? What did you notice? There was, there was quite a few clips where they just filmed, like, the soldiers and they just had, like, Hulk Hogan's arm. Okay. And so I bet he was not wearing a mask during those clips. Largely unmasked. And then, and this is at a time, this is 2003, remember, folks. So not wearing a mask was considered normal as opposed to but now. That's right. Know. That's right. If you're not wearing a mask now, 
Well, I don't actually, I don't know. Well, you know, this is coming out a few it weeks depends, from now, a few months. It, 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 yeah, it depends. It depends where we're depends. at. We don't know where we're at. Depends on the epidemiology, really. It's a big factor of it. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and so after the clip, Taz is like, they go back to the desk. Taz has a bunch of papers. And he says, he's looking for something. And Michael's like, what are you looking for? And he says, I'm looking for a part of the show where you get a better shirt. <laughs> Which Michael, I love. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like such a like he likes to make fun of Michael Cole's shirts. They're normal. I mean, Taz is wearing orange. He's wearing orange sunglasses inside. Yeah, but the thing is, is I think Taz is probably annoyed because Taz is like he's like dressing up like he's suit and tie. Michael Cole's right. just like coming from playing around to golf. Like he's yeah. not really putting right. the now, effort. Now, this is this next part here is something that Daniel want to talk about in, in depth. And I'm surprised because he said, no, no, I got five minutes on this. Tori Wilson comes out in a robe. And no, I'm I'm joking. <laughs> Daniel did not talk about this. I actually, I actually during this part, I like put, placed my head over the phone so I could just see Tori's head. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't want to disrespect Tori any further. I've through the course of this podcast, I have just been terrible to Tori. I have objectified her. I have, I have berated other women for not being as gorgeous as her. And I was just like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And so I just covered covered her up nicely. And listen to her brag about her body, and uh, that was nice. These are weird, these are weird segments. I gotta say, it's very strange. You know, she comes out in a robe. She asks the crowd if they want to see what Tori will be wearing for the bikini contest on at sun, on Sunday at Judgment Day, and she takes off her robe to reveal. You know, if I can say this, Daniel, she's wearing a blue bikini, and then adds on Sunday she'll be wearing something even more revealing. And the announcers are like, oh, I don't know what that could even be. Oh, it's so revealing already. <laughs> Like, well, guys. it's funny. In a, in a world where Da Marie was supposedly straight up naked in the ring, how <laughs> right. how can we top that, right? Anyway, what's up, baby? How, how can there. we how can we topless that? <laughs> what wordplay? What what perfectly necessary wordplay that was? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm interested in your, in your thoughts on Sable later, because Sable goes a little bit deeper, uh, a little bit further with that. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stephanie was in her office. She's in her office, and she's received a dozen roses. No, wait. She's received two dozen roses. Two different uh, kind of vases things here. So she looks at the cards when Vince walks in, and he comes in. He, his whole thing here is he says he's ready to accept her apology for screwing up with Mr. America last week. Because he's saying, if it wasn't for you, Stephanie, I would have got the mask off. And she said, you know what? Up until you came here, I thought these roses were an apology from you, Dad. Um, but actually, she says, you know, guess what? Well, I got some red and yellow roses here. Those are from Hulk Hogan. You want to show concern after what happened last week? And guess what? I got red and white roses here with a blue ribbon. Those are an apology from Mr. America. She says the roses are from two different men. As if it's like proof that the guy couldn't order both, which I love. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I love that she feels convicted to keep up this hoax. You know? She's like, one man couldn't buy two sets of flowers. And Vince doesn't like call her on that. So it's like, I guess he just believes her. <laughs> uh, that's fine. And so Stephanie goes to leave. And when she does... Vince smashes both vases containing the roses. That's right. He's mad about it. So we see, yeah, he just destroys them. And so next, Daniel, we have something that was missing <gasps> from Tell the show. Me. Tell Very me. Very excited to tell you about this. There's some context that's acquired here because two weeks before the show happened, Miss Elizabeth, who is Macho Man Randy Savage's longtime on-air valet and his real-life wife and ex-wife, she died. And uh, she, she died. I, she was at the time she was in a relationship with Lex Luger. Uh, she was at his home. There's all sorts of questions of like, you know, how'd she die, that sort of thing. And this is still this is very early on into knowing, finding out that she died. And uh, they didn't, there weren't a lot of answers at the time, but that didn't stop them because on May 10th, so the the Saturday before this, the WWE put out an episode of their confidential show on Saturday nights, 
about Miss Elizabeth. And this was a show where they, they it would air after Velocity. It would be about kind of more documentary style. They did a show about the Montreal Screwjob. That was actually the first time that uh, uh, Shawn Michaels said, actually, I did know about the Screwjob happening up to the point he lied and said that it uh, wasn't something that he was aware of. And so on May 10th, they did this episode of Velo- on, on Confidential about Miss Elizabeth. And there's a question even in 2003 about how tasteful it was because you know supposedly they even aired some of the 911 audio of Lex Luger calling for medical assistance. So it's oh, like you have this wow. dark, right? And so this segment here, this is a this is a tease for a more substantial segment later on in the show towards the end of it. And this is the weird thing. The thing I find weirdest about this is that this segment, of course, is cut from this episode. We haven't seen it, but you can go and watch that episode of WWE Confidential on the network right now. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's that's really funny. Okay. Yeah. Strange thing. Uh, earlier today, we go back and we see that earlier today, Kareem Mysterio got out of his car. This was this was on the show. Just to be clear, this is something that we're back on the show here. This is the first of three segments that was missing. But now Ray is back. He's at the sh- he's at the show. He got out of his car. We haven't seen him since backlash. He's wearing his mask. He's got a briefcase too. Kind of strange. He's wearing a black button-up shirt. He's high-fiving people. He's signing notepads. I don't know how you if you fake that or what you do to make that segment work, but he was there, and some fans were too. And uh, next match then in here, Matt Hardy with Shannon Moore and Crash because I'm against Jerry for the Cruiserweight title. He's defending the title today. And so we start off. We have some Matt facts here. Matt uh, thinks Jerry weighs too much to be a cruiserweight, and Matt can eat more sushi than Jerry. I don't know why he's talking about the sushi specifically with Jerry or not. Hard to, hard to be clear why that would be uh, used there for him, but there it is. And so uh, we got some sponsors for the night. And uh, it's uh, Click It or Ticket. Seatbelt save lives. This is where your seatbelt. Uh, Truth, which is anti-smoking, which they don't really ever make that clear. And Enter the Matrix, a video game, which got some middling reviews at the time. <laughs> I played that, eh? Did you? Okay. It, yeah, it didn't get very far. It was, no. It was, not, it was not nearly as cool as the movie. Yeah, I mean, the Matrix, you know, it was set up to be very, you know, very close to a, a computer game, right? The video game was seems like a natural thing to do, but they don't think they really they never really nailed it on the yeah, uh, well, well, the thing that was confusing about it was that they tried to like work in mechanisms to like work in bullet time. So like, of course, you could, like, yeah, you could you could like enter bullet time mode sort of thing, but it was just yeah. like kind of clunky and didn't really work, or you know. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to try to build that feature in. If you're them, because you're like, well, I mean, you know, we got to – this is what people want, uh, even if they have no means to actually make it work on the video game. So that's too bad. So on to the match here. Did Jerry get some offense to start off? But Matt gets going shortly after, and he hangs the Jerry up on the ropes, for example. And we see uh, the crashes at the ringside there. He's actively reading Matt Hardy's book, which I like. He's just there. He's supporting Matt Hardy, but he's taking the opportunity to read the book. There's no moment where he can't read that. And so Matt grabs the Jerry when he's in the corner. He goes for a splash mountain bomb, but the Jerry wriggles out of it. He kicks Matt in the head. And so Jerry kicks him out a bunch. He gets a handspring elbow on him. And then he gets like a handspring into Shannon Moore when he's standing on the apron. He doesn't go for the elbow, uh, but he just goes like handsprings into Shannon Moore on the apron as well. And then Jerry lines up a buzzsaw kick on Matt, but Crash gets on the apron near him. And so Jerry goes, okay, well, I'll buzzsaw kick you. And so, of course, right after that, Matt takes advantage. He gets a twist of fate, and he pins Jerry. I did like that springboard into Shannon Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really nice. I liked yeah. that little all up on the head just take that i i wish that he got the spring i wish he was part of the first springboard where he's like springboard into the elbow so it's a bit more like it's not just like oh i did a little flip thing it's like ah i was doing my move and you got in the way and i got gotcha. you right right right, right. 
I like that too. After the match, Matt gets on the mic outside the ring and he throws his hat into the ring, not literally, uh, to throw down with Mr. America Judgment Day. You know, this is what Vin- Vince wants people to go in there. So the FBI, they say they want to do it. Matt says, I'll do it. So, he, so I did like this about the show. Like, I liked yes. how it was more segments and I liked this storyline. This was a nice little, like, it felt like an episode of a 90s TV show where it's like, this is the episode where all the bad guys want a piece of the good guy, you know? So I liked that. I liked how all the heels were kind of saying, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. It was nice. You know what, Daniel? I agree with you. I also like it. I will say I didn't like the ending. The conclusion I did not enjoy. No, I was, I'm going to complain about that too. Yeah. In theory, me. you want to have the big, you know, some big bad be like, I'll do it. And he's like, yeah, of course. Let's have you do it. Big show or A train or something. Like, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so Matt, he says he wants to face Mr. America Judgment Day. He also calls the crowd Baltimoreans because they're in Baltimore. Right. And the Tajiri flies from the top. It takes out Matt and Shannon with a crossbody. So he kind of he stops the uh, the unfair critique of Baltimore with a crossbody. And then we go backstage, and we see Eddie Guerrero. He is festooning Kurt Angle's portrait with Latino paraphernalia uh, because he has he, the team Angle's been carrying on this portrait of uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, they have had many things stolen from them over the last few weeks. Uh, the, the tag belts and then the Kurt Angle gold medals and then also this portrait. And so uh, Kurt has, sorry, Eddie has the portrait and uh, he is doing things to it. So he adds a sombrero to it. He has a multicolored blanket that he puts on it as well. And so Eddie is talking to this portrait and he says, you know, hey, Chavo got hurt overseas. So he's trying not to worry about it. And so this is an interesting thing. Because uh, you know Chavo being injured overseas and it being a whole thing uh, is a problem because they have a, a ladder match coming out of the pay-per-view. And they're advertising it with Chavo's not around. I tried to find out when this happened. Uh, it might have been he, – Eddie here says it happened overseas. Other things I said said it happened the week before SmackDown taping, so that was in Halifax. And it said it happened in a dark match, but I don't remember Chavo being in a dark match on SmackDown. I looked it up. I believe he was in a regular match on the show. So I don't really know. Hard to say. Um, But Eddie says that the portrait will be in his corner tonight, and then he takes a fake mustache, which he just has on hand, and he puts it on Kurt Angle's face, which is funny. And then he has a little patch thing, kind of mirroring his own facial hair. Uh, And it's just really – it's a funny effect. You know, Kurt Angle has a little dumb facial hair on there now, the face by Eddie Guerrero. Who wore it best? Who wore it best? I would love to see Kurt Angle or Eddie, you know? You know, an actual, actual, uh, like, real life, I think it could be very fun. And then we see Mr. America walking into the building. He uh, must not know the show's already underway. This is like this is like what Edge used to do in the fall. <laughs> and Mr. Yeah. America runs well, into Well, Stephanie. they're friends. They're friends, right? So like he gets, That's true. He, he got his itinerary from Edge. He was like, yeah, Edge is like, yeah, you go to the back, Pancake the House. Smackdown for, starts at, you know, 9 yeah. o'clock or whatever. Yeah, you go to you can be the Pancake House uh, or you can be uh, at the gym for hours and hours and hours. The show could start. You can be watching Smackdown on the television at the gym and then go, oh, I should probably go over there. Hopefully we don't right. have a match, but you can, you can totally get away with it. And so he runs into Stephanie McMahon, and Stephanie thanks him for the flowers, and then asks him to thank Hulk Hogan for the other flowers. And then she gives him a little peck on the cheek. And Mr. America reacts with a hoo-hoo, like, I still got it, which is kind of an odd reaction for a man his yeah. age. But, I mean, how would we react if Stephanie kissed us on the cheek? I go, hoo-hoo, I still got it, just yeah. like Mr. America. Um, but mostly I'd be fine walking away hand-in-hand uh, hand with her uh, from a funeral. That's right. In the ring. Yeah. Next up here, we give an actual substantial match of the night. Your mileage may vary on how actually it worked out here. We had John Cena against Chris Benoit. It's a real honestly goodness match. Yeah, so why is this happening then? 
Great question. Uh, I mean, Benoit and uh, Cena had a match to determine the number one contendership for uh, Brock Lesnar Backlash, which Cena won. Yeah. Uh, from there, I don't really know. Because, uh, because that's the thing for me is like, didn't 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 Cena get beyond this now? You know, like why why is he? You know, but well, time to come back down to earth. Time to come back down to earth. Can't see yeah. the mountaintop. Yeah, you were you're the your main event before, so now we're, you're all done. That's what I thought when I saw this match. I was like, okay, assume Benoit wins, and we're also kind of bringing uh, taking John Cena down so, to know that he's not going to stay in the main event scene forever. That's right. And so when Cena comes down to the ring, uh, he tells him to kill the beat, and he starts to rap again, which I would argue because there's no beat is slam poetry. That's how. <laughs> I think you're right. And this is bad. This is not good. This is yes. not a good freestyle. This is like cringeworthy a little bit here. Yeah. Now he's his goal in this conversation uh, is to talk about is to say, hey, I also want to fight Mr. America. And so he references Bill Bixby, who played Dr. Banner in the 70s Hulk series. So essentially, like, I'll turn uh, Mr. America back into Hulk, just like Bill Bixby. He's like, OK, if you know who that is, that's pretty clever. If you don't, it's completely un- unintelligible. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I definitely missed it. I definitely yeah. And, it. and of course, he ends by making a dick joke because that's all I can do. And so we start off the match here. Benoit takes it to Cena. He gets a backbreaker and some chops. Michael Cole calls this the future of the WWE, which is largely true. Although kind of dark to consider with Benoit there because he doesn't not that much of the future. Uh, Taz claims uh, when he, they're doing the knife edge chops to each other, he says the chops especially hurt the areola area. Which is just <laughs> an insane thing to say. I've heard it. I mean, uh, Taz said it before. I assume it's either he thinks it's funny or Vince thinks it's funny or somebody thinks it's funny. But he loves talking about the nipple. How it hurt your nipples. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Cole talks about the Lesnar show, uh, Big Show stretcher match. Uh, it's probably not even a stretcher large enough for Big Show. Um, as if there would be like some sort of like situation where WWE is like, well, we just can't. We, we don't have a stretcher big enough. So either you guess you just have to lose Brock Lesnar. Well, um, I mean, they, they built a ladder for a ladder match big enough for Big Show one time. Yeah, that was, um, you know, as somebody who went away from wrestling for several years, that was quite surprising to find out that was the whole thing. He did that. He kept, on, he kept on snapping the rungs off of a ladder where he tried to go so up. So gimmicky. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's the worst. The worst. He should just had a cherry picker, cherry picker match. Uh, but also they have like you can you can move a whale, so you can move a big show. You know what I mean? Like I think if you had just get like the go to Sea World and get some sort of like uh, some whale mover. Just so so degrading. Just imagine. How so? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's what I, I was like, what's something bigger that they definitely move? They like tag bears and like drag bears out with like cranes and stuff like that. They could do that with him. They should. That's Brock should just do, use a blow dart and just like tranquilize him. Right. It's a treasure match. Nothing's illegal about it, right? Just get a tranquilizer. <laughs> Imagine just like this is a no holds barred match. I'm bringing my gun. I got a tranquilizer. Or they just have like there's like a glass case with a, a single syringe in the middle of the ring and they have to like fight over it. The guy who gets oh it gets to inject the guy and. Oh my gosh. Just an electric chair off to the side, like by the by the timekeeper. That literally happened, Daniel. Don't forget, House of Horrors, WCW, early nineties. Oh my There was gosh. an electric chair. Abdullah the Butcher got fried. Abdullah the Butcher. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. It was tough. It was tough to watch. It was tough to watch, but not for the reasons they wanted it to be tough to watch. Hey oh. So Cena gets a clothesline on Benoit. He takes over the match. He starts working over the shoulder and the arm. And he even does the thing where you you, you kind of hammerlock the arm behind the guy and then slam him on his arm. And I don't really know how oh, you yeah. fake that spot. Like I just like if, if he's kind of landing on his own arm. It just seems like it would hurt. Right. Yeah. This is just like the uh, you know the trick is not minding it. I guess is in this case with the uh, the selling the move. It's just you take it and it hurts. 
Uh, but Benoit gets a snap suplex. And then all of a sudden, Outwalk Nuncio and Stamboli, the FBI. You know, presumably because I guess they're feuding with Benoit here. I mean, he's kind of been in their uh, in their radar range recently, uh, in their vicinity. And so they try to distract Benoit. But Benoit still hits Cena. And they try to distract him again, and then Benoit is hit by Cena. And the ref sends the FBI away, and we take a break. And so we come back from the break, and uh, Cena's got Benoit's transmit, uh, transmission, <laughs> submission, uh, that is uh, kind of working over his arm. And uh, Benoit breaks through his momentum. He reverses another hammerlock slam into a dropkick. Um, and as ben, as Cole says, his match has been all impact. Benoit gets a German suplex on Cena, and he goes for a headbutt from the top rope. And he hits it. But instead of covering him, uh, Nunzio runs in again from the crowd. And he gets sent out of the ring by, by uh, Benoit. Then Cena goes for the FU, but Benoit, ch- uh, he uh, counters it. He gets it into a crossface, and then quickly, John, uh, Johnny Stamboli runs in. He breaks into the crossface, and the match just ends in the DQ. So all that for DQ finish. So so this is interesting to me because it goes back to just the question that I think I'll perennially have forever. Yes. It's just like, what is disqualification worth? Like, what, like what's the – because, you know, uh, Ninjio comes into the ring. And because he doesn't actually get an offense off, it's right. not it's not interference. That's that's how it seems to be ruled. That's crazy. But it's also you know it's also really close because there's been time where Big Show has interfered in a match, choke slammed a guy, but he didn't get disqualified until the guy was like in the air for the choke slam. Like he had his like hand on his neck, and he was like, oh, it's still allowed. Um, such a strange thing. Totally strange. Uh, and so. After the match, after this disqualification, uh, Johnny Stamboli kicks Benoit, but then all of a sudden Rhino shows up. He runs in and he gores Johnny Stamboli. The Nuncio has a chair. He hits Rhino in the knee, which is pretty taped up. But then Spanky runs in and he kicks the chair into Nuncio's face. And then Cena grabs Spanky. He goes for a powerbomb, but Spanky Hurricane Run is out of it, and the heels make a run for it. And I look at this and I go, hmm, there's two teams of three. There's a few days before pay per view. I wonder what this will become. So yes, these two teams will go uh, at each other at Judgment Day. They're a team now. These two, these these couple of guys, these these six guys, they're teams. <laughs> later tonight, Rey Mysterio is back. Also later tonight, or kind of next, I guess, Piper's Pit with Mr. America. Yeah. And then and then we get another segment coming up here that was cut from our our episode here, and oh, it's not related to Miss Elizabeth. And uh, it was a video package promoting a recent UK tour. And it featured Brock Lesnar smiling with fans. And it's not clear why this isn't on here. We've seen video packages like this for other shows. Like they did one in, uh, I believe, South uh, South Africa, Australia. But this one, the UK, cut. Don't know why. Okay. Strange thing. Just a strange thing. Uh, and so now we have, it's time for Piper's Pit. And uh, Piper comes out with his arm around Sean O'Hare. And he's a heel. He's a bad guy. And yet, we still cut to the crowd. Where people have this huge hot rod sign, you know, H O T R O D out there, because WWE just can't stop treating like a baby face, and uh, it just makes me kind of cr- feel crazy, because they keep showing Piper like this, they keep being like he's a heel, but also everyone loves him, they're crazy about him, they want him around all the time, and uh, they are, they just love him, and it just makes me mad. Well, he's just such a great character, right? Like, yeah, they they definitely misbook him here. It's it's awkward. Yeah. And and I was disappointed that Piper's pit wasn't actually like Piper's pit. Yeah, like there wasn't like a proper like sit down, let's talk about it kind of thing. Yeah, there wasn't a, and there wasn't really much of a set. Like anyway, it was just kind of, 
for something yeah. that's so sort of legendary or that they like WWE promotes Piper's Pit heavily, yes. like the, the coconut snooker smash, like they really kind of lean into that for Piper. They do. They really do hype it up. Uh, and uh, yeah, your mileage may vary. I mean, the way this ends, I mean, at least the segment ends in a normal, uh, super normal way, right, Daniel? That's right. That's yeah. right. Very, very normal, very calculated, very yes. sensible. Yes. And so Piper's talking about uh, Mr. America, the match there, uh, how they want to unmask him. And he says, you know, some people back there, they just want to do it because they want to suck up to Mr. Man. But some of them, they want to do it to further their own careers. What's the difference, Matt? Uh, no idea. Those are the same. Those are actually the same thing. Um, or at least you do the sucking up to further your career. This is just a time like, like I, I don't know. Someone at one point was like, I just give Piper the mic and he'll just go. He doesn't go the right way. He does this all the time. Yeah. He just says wrong things. He says weird things. You're like, this is not. He's comfortable in the mic. He's really comfortable in talking about this stuff, but he shouldn't be because he messes it up well, constantly. I, I mentioned this the last time that I was on and Piper was there and just like he didn't age well. Like he didn't maintain his aptitude for the game. Yeah. Very well at all. Yeah. Which I mean, is disappointing. I like his, his like not his verbiage, but his like his attitude, his growl. Like that's yeah. all very good. Yes. Um, the actual st- the style, but not the substance you're a fan of. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you know, he wants to face Mr. America because he's hated Hulk Hogan for 20 years. I don't know why it doesn't have anything to do with each other. Hulk Hogan's not Mr. America, but all right, that's fine. Uh, and so he, he he says, I demand the match Mr. America Judgment Day. And then all of a sudden, Real American hits the song and Mr. America walks out. He's got an American flag. Um, I mean, Piper's so worked up about Judgment Day, he could just ma- unmask him tonight. Presumably he's coming down. To, he's walking toward him and w- stepping into a ring with him and his uh, protege. And so Piper stops Mr. America's music, uh, but it's funny because he's been posing for a while. So he's like, "I gotta stop the music." It's like, "Well, we, you know, we we got the whole experience." So you're not actually like being a, a mean heel who's stopping this dead or anything like that. Um, and so Mr. America says, um, "Piper's just mad because Hogan beat him up for the last 20 years." And then Piper says something, and I wonder if you what you thought about this, Daniel. He says, "Piper says that Hogan has never beaten him one, two, three. Yeah. I um, I, I was like, "Is this true?" It was true for a very long time. Hilariously. If you go back, like Hogan beat the Piper all the time on house shows by disqualification. They had this whole okay. thing. But in 1997, at Super Bowl 7, Hulk Hogan cheated. Macho and Randy Savage joined the NWO. He cheated. He helped Hulk Hogan out. But that led to Hulk Hogan pinning Roddy Piper, 1, 2, 3, Super Bowl 7, 1997. Oh. Uh- so they're counting it though as a screwy finish, but yeah, okay, interesting. I guess if you want to just say WWE, then it 100% did not happen. He never pinned a one, two, three ever. Um, a weird thing. I don't know why Piper wasn't like that huge a guy back then. It wasn't like he was like this monster. Anyway, funny thing. Well, I and think then, he was pretty popular, you know. Yes, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. But he wasn't like he wasn't like Andre or like he wasn't like one of these like huge heels. He wasn't like this like. Uh, he was like a huge force at the time. He was more mid cardy heel, right? He got his Intercontinental title. He just That's like interesting. I I always thought well, him as like the Joker to Hulk Hogan's Batman. But. Oh, interesting. Interesting comparison. Well, I mean, he, he does something here. It's a little. Yeah. I mean, the whole question here is whether or not he's a really evil guy. Because Piper takes a moment. He starts to give grief to a fan who's flying this huge American flag in the ring. Or sorry, not the ring. He's at ringside. And uh, he he kind of looks like a plant when you look at it. You're kind of like, was this guy for real? And he's got like a he's got like a Mr. America flag on. Did did you think anything of this when you started talking to him? No, 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 plant, no. Right? I I I was duped by this because I, I forgot that this man existed, so I just didn't right. register. 
Um, yes. And so I was just like, oh, that's cool. I thought it was weird. But here are my exact thoughts. Does that man want to take that flag home? <laughs> are you, right. Hulk Hogan, are you presuming that that fan actually wants to deal with this, like, really obtuse object? Yeah. It's the uh, – because it is the same flag, right? It's the one that Hogan comes out with or the one that Mr. America yeah. comes out. Yeah, presumably, yeah. So, yeah, Uh so Piper's mad about it. He doesn't like that it's there. This fan is waving. He's waving it with great excitement. He's wearing a Mr. America. The fact he's wearing a Mr. America shirt, which I, I, they might have sold there, it just seemed like a plant. They're like people aren't really wearing that shirt. Right. Yeah. And I, so I, 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 I was duped. I was marked. There you go. Well, Mr. America says, you know, leave the fan alone. And Piper sends Sean O'Hare to go out there after him. And then Mr. America goes out to save the fan. But as soon as he goes to like leave the ring, Piper attacks him from behind. Uh, which is the second time in two weeks that someone has easily distracted Mr. America and then tried to get his mask off. He's, they've come pretty close. They successfully distracted him, 100% distracted him. But he always goes, ah, oh, he kind of gets away from it there. Because he, Mr. America, he's no-selling Piper's attack. And he goes to drop the leg on uh, Piper. But as he's going to do that, Sean O'Hare knocks him down and beats on him with a chair. And then Piper and uh, Sean O'Hare, they go to take off Mr. America's mask. But then suddenly, the fan who's in the front row, is now in the ring. And he hits Party Piper with a flag. And Sean O'Hare, then he practically spears this guy out of his boots, and all of a sudden I go, oh, right, okay, I know who this fan is. <laughs> this whole moment of being like, right, oh, gosh. And I had this moment of uh, uh, kind of dread, I guess. Right. And security goes to drag this kid, this fan, out of the ring. I kind of, I'm seeing kid and fan interchangeably here because it's a fan, but it's supposed to be it's like a young man. He's like, in his, like, he's like 18, 19, 20, it seems like. And uh, as security is dragging this guy out of the ring, Piper goes to grab the fan by the leg and he pulls. And as he pulls, he pulls the fan's leg off. It's and, and if only if only we could say this was the first time something like this happened in the WWE. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, so Piper just stands there holding it. He's horrified. He's attacked an amputee. And Sean O'Hare leaves, and he has this kind of this forget this, that kid's an amputee gesture. He's like, I can't, I can't do this. This is crazy. I mean, I can stand in a white room and tell you to, you know, to smoke cigarettes and, you know, look at things on your computer, but I can't, I can't beat up amputees. This is wrong. And so Piper drops the leg on the ground, and he follows him out, and the crowd is stunned. And the kid rolls around the ring in pain, and Mr. America's just there too. And it's just such a strange segment to end that way. It's such a strange, odd thing. There's no capper to it. It's not like an exclamation mark. It's a question mark. It's a it's like a semicolon of an ending. It's very weird because it takes it takes the whole thing in a totally different direction, character yes. wise, for Piper and Sean O'Hare. So they're heels. They're mad at Hogan. They're gonna get his mask off. They're gonna terrorize him. They're gonna brutalize him at Judgment Day. Yes. But then the story just takes a turn, and now it's like this like Piper and Sean O'Hare are caught in this like probable lawsuit. They've mistreated someone with uh, a disability. Now we're sort of feeling sympathy that, oh, it's too bad they got caught in that situation. Who who was to know that that man had a disability? Like, it's a right. weird, it's a weird angle. And I'm like, wait, how do you want me to feel for Piper here? Like, right. what, what's going on? So yeah. it just caught, it muddies the waters. It's very convoluted and it's strange. But they wanted to get this guy on air somehow, so this is how they chose to do it, I guess. I guess so. I mean, the thing, too, I have to say is that if an amputee attacks you, you're allowed to fight back against an amputee. <laughs> right. They don't make you feel like that, though, here. They, they no, shame, they think it, it, They shame Piper pretty hard here. 
Well, it's also just funny to be like they're teaching people how to treat ref amputees in a way that's like that's not helpful for them. I guess it kind of dehumanizes them. You're like, oh, you treat them like they're some sort of like lower class creature than you. They're like, oh, man, you have to protect them because they're lesser than you. They can't do anything. Um, and we'll see they're very capable of doing things because this is the debut of one Zach Gowan. And we will have ample opportunity to talk to him about him as this podcast goes on. And uh, he's at the center of all sorts of stuff that is not that fun to watch. How how long does he stick around that? Is it like months. six months? I don't know if it's that long. I mean, we will see. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I don't have any answers right now, although I might have had, you know, I have my my schedule here and, uh, you know, I like to, I, ha- I have a kind of big events that happen. And this last time we see this guy, the first time we see him. Uh, yeah. So we it's May uh, 13, May 15, 2003. The October 23rd 2003 episode of Smackdown is the last time Zach Cowan shows up. OK. And uh, things don't, things will be pretty different in, in this uh, this time by, by then. But uh, until then, I mean, we got uh, yeah, Zach Gowan is a guy. He will be a going concern, as they say. And so we come back from a commercial break. We see clips of what we just saw, the, the whole amputee and light taken off thing. Uh, Michael Cole is narrating it with a solemn voice, and we see that Mr. America helped the fan to the back during the break, and he's carrying the prosthetic leg. And I just thought, like, wouldn't it make more sense just to put it back on him? Like, why are you carrying? Like, you're carrying him yeah, and yeah, the leg. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Let's put it, you know, you know, at the risk of sounding, uh, you know, uncare. Like, put the Lego pieces back together, man. Like, it's pretty straightforward what you do in this situation. Doesn't need to heal up and then get it on. Like, that's fine. And then uh, we have what will end up being uh, the main event for the evening: Eddie Guerrero against Shelton Benjamin here. And uh, Shelton Benjamin is solo tonight. There's no Charlie Haas for whatever reason. I wonder if he'll show up later. And we see Eddie. Eddie comes down. He's wearing a sombrero and he's carrying the defaced slash mustache portrait of Kurt Angle. He's wearing Kurt Angle's gold medals. But then we have a weird thing. This is another weird thing that happens, like it happened here, does not really happen in wrestling, where we interrupt that match, we cut from this match. Yes. And we go to the back, where Vince McMahon is castigating Roddy Piper and Sean O'Hare about the whole beating up an ABT thing. And Vince says this is lawsuit territory. And uh, I would say it's not, because a fan just ran into the ring, got involved. They just yelled at him before that. If that was the case, then every rush, every everyone should just rush the ring as they get some money from WWE <laughs> for this sort of thing. It doesn't make any sense. And so Vince says there's gonna be some career affecting consequences for this. And Sean O'Hare tries to distance himself from Roddy Piper. And when Vince leaves, Roddy goes, uh, Sean O'Hare, grief for it. And you know what? I don't know why this this segment is like divided in two. This comes up again after the match too. I don't know why. It should all be one thing. <laughs> Dumb. And so we come back from backstage, and the match is already underway in the ring. So we, we missed some of the match in the ring because we had to see that Vince McMahon is mad at Roddy Piper for doing what he did. And so Shelton Benjamin gets a, gets a power slam on Eddie. He gets a suplex a bit later on, and that gets two. And Shelton Benjamin is on the second rope, but Eddie gets up there, and he launches him with a hurricane run. And, uh, you know, uh, Shelton has a great snap on the flip, and he does a great job getting really far, and it's a very good job. And throughout the match, the camera keeps cutting back to Kurt, the Kurt Angle's portrait with the mustache. So he's, like, watching the match. Yes. The camera does not want you to forget that, that funny picture. And it's funny. Uh, Shelton gets a very nice, what I call a cruiserweight powerball on Eddie. And I say that because WCW used to do that all the time. Yeah, so was I, a, this was the one thing I wanted to comment on because yeah. it, uh, it's nice to see on one hand, but then it's also sort of like, it's weird to see. It's weird to see a powerbomb hmm. that doesn't have quite as much power as powerbombs are used to seeing. Yeah. But yeah, it still feels and looks impressive. Like it, it, So... So my senses didn't know what to do with it a little bit. I was like, where, 
again, where does that rank on the power of moves? Right. Because you know, I see a power bomb with heavyweights, and I'm like, okay, that took something out of them. You know? Absolutely. The bar just went down significantly. I see that with cruiserweights, and I'm like, is that just kind of like, is that like a plancha? Like, is that the same kind of? Right. What's what's the, what's the exchange rate here? Is it, how similar is this to a slam? It seems like it's more than a slam, but by how much? <laughs> That's right. And he gets the advantage when he hits a pop-up drop kick, and uh, Michael Cole takes the time to talk about uh, Eddie's Latin temper, nice. which I don't I don't love as a detail there. They love evoking that. Uh, and then Eddie, he has Shelton Benjamin in the corner, and he chokes him with a tag rope in the corner, right? which is rare in a non-tag match to see that. But he does. Well, well Eddie, it felt to yeah. me like he was, like, drawing on the spirit of Chavo, you know? Like, he was, like, mm-hmm. remind, reminding us that we're gearing up for a tag match. I thought this was some, like, foreshadowing. I like that. Lest we forget. That's right. Uh, Eddie follows that up with a triple suplex on Shelton Benjamin. There, he, ro- he uh, rotates the hips as he does. And then Charlie Haas... Taz mentions that. He makes sure we know. Absolutely. Taz loves talking about the hips. And then Charlie Haas runs out. He's carrying a ladder. And he sets it up outside the ring. He's distracting Eddie. And he just gets... Simply just gets super kicked in the face. And pinned one, two, three. So da- another super kick. Then this match... So, yeah, so again... He's shaking his head at me, guys. I so livid. I was like, how powerful are these super kicks? Like, what is happening? So this is my complaint about the matches in the show. It's just yes. like... They kind of don't have much substance, and their finishes are just sort of like very anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, it is. These are like it's like that. There was an episode of SmackDown where like six of the first like seven matches were roll-up finishes. And it's similar. This is the this is the logic that I'm supposed to take away from this is that super kicks are devastating if they come after a distraction. If you yes. are distracted and you get kicked in the face, you are going to fall to the one, two, three. If you are not yes. distracted, you'll be fine. Almost certainly a two count. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Now, they make up for a little bit after the match here. But Shelton says the ref out of the ring, and Charlie and Eddie, they try to hit uh, Eddie. Sorry. Charlie and Shelton try to hit Eddie with a ladder. But Eddie drop kicks the ladder into both of them because they're kind of holding it lengthwise between the two of them. So they get knocked down, and then uh, Eddie goes outside. He grabs the Kurt Angle portrait, and he goes into Shelton Benjamin, and he smashes it over Shelton's head. And so the There's portrait the breaks. Shot. Oh, yeah. And there's Shelton does this ridiculous sell. It looks like he should have little birdies floating around his head. That <laughs> and was he nice. Looks I like that. I like oh, yeah, that. it was good. And I felt dumb because I was like, oh, yeah, the portrait makes sense to break it on a guy. I was just like, oh, it's just good to have the portrait around. I kind of miss the portrait now that it's gone. Do you know what I mean? It's like, good to have it for a while. <laughs> you, you, grew, you grew quite the attachment to this portrait. Very fond of it. An hour and a half or not even. Well, no, well, they had he had the portrait. They've had the portrait for a few weeks. I guess part of it oh. is that they really did humanize it with the mustache and the uh, the uh, facial hair. That's right. That's right. It's a very real thing. And so we go back to that random segment that interrupted the beginning of that match. Ronnie Piper and Sean O'Hare back back there with Vince McMahon. And so Vince is seemingly chastising Ronnie Piper for not caring about this amputee kid, but he kind of says this shows how dark Piper really is, and so that he's going to be one on face with Mr. America on Sunday. Yeah, this was yeah. weird. Can I can yeah. I can I rant about this for a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely, please. Um, two things. Sean O'Hare's character in person, not against the white backdrop. Yeah. Does not carry the white backdrop character over very well. He yeah. had some stuff. He had some stuff backstage with Don Marie and stuff that had that yes. going. Yes. But now that he's with Piper, there's not like where's the tempter? It's like, way too different. Be, he should be saying like. 
hey, it's not that bad what you did, or like, don't let him get to you, do what you want, he attacked you, like, yeah. he should be leaning into that tempter role, it's just not there, so it just makes him, to me, just like a non-entity, like, yeah. why do I care? You Second know what? Thing. Sorry, yeah, I'm, you just to speak to, to speak to that role, it's interesting because Sean here debuts with these segments, very, very emphatic character. He's a tempter guy. We don't know how to translate it to wrestling per se, but that's a whole thing. Nathan Jones and his promos before he came out. I'm a crazy prison guy. I'm a cannibal lecture, but I'm jacked. I'm going to kill you. Uh, not what not what Nathan Jones turns out to be when he gets in the ring like that. He turns out to be a big Lenny like doofus where he doesn't know how to do wrestling. He's like, a, you know, he's he's like killing guys backstage practically. Um, yeah, they, they just don't know how to, like, they do these big gimmicks and they don't actually book them like they're actually different. Yeah, because uh, Sean O'Hare, I would argue, yeah. is a very promising gimmick. Yes, I think when, so. When, when you think about, like, uh, again, we weren't, we weren't thinking this way back then, so, yes. like, I don't think they could have done this. But, like, to have Sean O'Hare in his white space and he, like, brings wrestlers into his white space mm. and they don't know how to deal, like, they can't grab hold of reality and, like, Right. They could have done some really cool, like, if Sean O'Hare was sort of like a borderline, fiend-esque, Undertaker, Kane, like a mystical character, that would have been cool. It's almost, he'd almost be more scary, too, because he looks normal. Yeah. But he can, like, because it'd be, be kind of cool, and, and they, they they sort of do this with Don Marie and with getting Spanky to streak his well. I mean, it, it doesn't help that all he does is tell people to run around naked. <laughs> right. You know. That's his going concern. But it would be cool if there was, like, if he talked to people and they were like kind of like captivated by him, like he had more of this kind of cult leader thing of like, I just, when he talks to me, like I just, he can convince me of anything. Like I just like, I could do like, like maybe like, like maybe he talks to Stephanie and Stephanie just like gets matched for him. They're like, why are you making those matches for him? I was like, I don't know. He's compelling. I mean, maybe I shouldn't. And I just can't like resist him or something like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm know. into this. I, w- I would it, love like a backstage segment of like somebody talking to somebody else. And then Sean O'Hare just kind of appears in the background. And the person just says, oh, sorry, I got to go. And right. just walk see, off with Sean O'Hare. See, I like it. I'm not sure which I like better. The idea that it's mystical, like you're getting at, which I think is okay. Yeah. Um, but it could also be the thing of like, is it mystical or is he just like this person who's just very manipulative? Yeah. And people were yeah, just like, and just as a, as a person, he's just like very engaging that way. Yeah. Um, anyway. but, he is but not complaint, like this here. No, my complaint is just like on, on his little vignettes, he's great. And then when you get him side by side with, Piper, he's just like, I didn't have anything to do with. He's never made sense with Piper anyway. Piper would be the guy you would put with a guy who needs a, who, who needs someone to speak up for them. Sean O'Hare never needed that. And so yeah. here, I mean, we're, it's kind of the, the complete abandonment of that character where Sean O'Hare goes, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that evil. It's like, you were the guy. You were the evil guy. Like You were justifying yeah. every evil action. And now you're like, you would do, if two months ago, you showed me a video where Sean O'Hare was like, what, what does it even mean to be disabled? People have all the same. We all have the same things in life. Serial legs don't work. You don't deserve a better parking lot spot than me. Like you could totally see Sean O'Hare in his white yeah. space saying that. 100. percent But oh, now he's like, I don't know. My, you know, my my uncle he had leg problems. You're like, okay. <laughs> like he doesn't say that, but like it seems the kind of thing of like he seems like a personal like. He's like, he's ah, like I'm like trouble. I would never like he like scoffs at Piper. Like I can't believe you did that. Like it's just like weird. Yeah. And then and then I think you would have the same complaint too. But complaint number two is Piper just being given this match that everyone was rallying for yeah. what happened to fbi where did their conversation go what happened to matt hardy what happened to cena arguably they did things more if this is all fiasco of this you know taking a 
fake leg from somebody, wouldn't it be a safer bet to go with somebody who actually kind of proved their medal a little bit that night, you know? You don't need, like, this is the, like, he's shifting the goalposts in a weird way. Because what he says here with Piper, he's like, I need the most evil person. No, you don't. You need the guy who can just get Mr. America in such a state that he can be unmasked. That's all you want him to do is be, like, even earlier, like, I want to beat up on a cast, right? I want to be full of his, like, that's just beating someone up. You want Roddy Piper to be, like, evil here or something like that. That doesn't make sense. It's too far-fetched. It like, it doesn't make any sense of it. And it's also, when you watch, you're kind of like, oh, like, Piper's, Piper's just going to lose to him. Like, at least you put, like, some young buck against him. You have, like, an actual thought, like, oh, maybe it actually, you know, Cena's, Cena just made him into backlash. He could maybe be Mr. Round. I don't know. Like, if he's, if he's well, motivated. Well, just, like... This is know. where you go. This is where you go. Handicap match, right? Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Too. Like, if your if your goal is this guy's stealing money from me, I need to get something figured out with it. Be like, come up with a way. You don't have to make it so lopsided that it doesn't make any sense. You can do it with a handicap match, 100. percent It would it would make more sense with Sean O'Pair and Roddy Piper. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and they just beat up the kid. They found him his amputee. They did it anyway. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Be right. It doesn't make sense. But I think I think they're also trying to be like they're also trying to they're trying to be like the they're trying to do two things at once. They go, it's the bounty kind of thing where we're gonna put a bounty on Mr. America and see who wins. But they also want us to be like, but don't you want to see Roddy Piper versus uh, Mr. America like versus Hulk Hogan? Like he has never beaten him, and it's like, mm, no, I don't think that makes Not sense. Not, Not no. right now. No. And so next up, we have another thing that's cut out, and it is the uh, the major segments. It's a re-airing of a segment from WWE Confidential on Miss Elizabeth, uh, where people are speculating about what caused her death, even before anything official came out from an autopsy. And this is like a seven-minute segment. And I don't know what possessed them to put it here on SmackDown. I guess they thought that would be good for ratings, where they go, Confidential did well, or like, like it's very uh, fresh information. It's kind of... Uh, kind of like true crimey where you're like, people don't know this sort of thing. We can share all sorts of things there. And so, yeah, this is the, another big chunk of time where uh, they talked about Miss Elizabeth dying and they uh, didn't have any SmackDown content then. And it's cut from the show. So there Fair, you go. Fairly, we can be safe to say that this was tasteless. Did you go back and watch this stuff? I didn't. I thought about doing it. Uh, and you can go back and see if it's tasteless. I mean, I'm sure it is. I mean, the way the, the way they treated wrestling deaths and even that sort of thing, like it t- it took until Eddie and uh, Chris Benoit dying for them to be like, okay, we should probably make sure the guys are being healthy. We should probably make sure the guys aren't doing too many steroids and things like that. Um, and then that way, you know, we're not going to be responsible for the deaths. And here it's just, yeah, it's too, it's just too much. And I, and they, they're trying to blame like Lex Luger for stuff. And it's just dark. It's a dark thought. And so we see Ray Mysterio getting mic'd up in the interview area. We'll see him come out in a, a little bit here. But we have a bunch of stuff first because we have the tail of the tape for the bikini challenge, which is no longer a contest. <laughs> did, 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 did you notice 36, 25, 36? At 36, 24, 36? Yeah, they made they made uh, Tori's waist a little bit larger <laughs> to justify what Sable says about her later on, which is insane. Am I supposed to know what measurements are, like, good? Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone's just like, oh, she's 30, 30, 32, I'd be like, okay. Well, well, well I think 30, 36, 24, 36 is from that... Uh, well, she's 5'8", as you're saying. You're the Sir Mix-a-Lot video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess it's, it's so supposed to suggest an hourglass figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that makes sense. It's just one of those weird things where just like, oh, man, you see your measurements. I'm like, I've never understood this. Uh, I, I don't – yeah, you're, it's just too – it's a little bit too highfalutin in some ways. It's weird. Uh, so the tail of the tape, yeah, it has their, their, their body shape. It also has uh, their uh, career highlights. So they explains they were both in Playboy. Sable was a former women's champion. 
And on TV Guide's cover twice, that sounds very retro. It's like saying you were like the Blockbuster Movie Award winner or something like that. And uh, it also describes Tori as a former Miss Galaxy Fitness. Right. At one point she was a fitness model, which we knew, I think. And so that leads to Sable coming out in a robe, exactly like Tori did earlier. Daniel, did you do, did you cover Sable up as well? I, I or you, Sable up too. I was I was done. Yeah. I was Equal opportunity to these beautiful women, you know. Sable, she continues to insinuate that Tori is fat, which makes you feel insane. And I'm sure these girls at the time they were so damaged by this. I mean, it's it's funny. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. You can you can never do this now. This is this is this is such like uber heel territory. If you did this now, Vince McMahon would immediately come out and make you face Mr. America Judgment Day because you're that able. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Sean O'Hare was near you. He'd be like, "Whoa, I would not go there." Yeah. Uh, and Sable says Tori will not be nearly as sableicious as she is. And she takes off her robe, which is not really fair. How could Tori be t- as sableicious as Sable is? It's named no, after you. Sable. No, you can't be madalicious. I'm sorry, you just can't. My my body's too madalicious for you, baby. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for singing my song. A song that's only about me. <laughs> And so, yeah, so yeah, she, she then she leaves. It's very revealing, very skimpy bikini, and then she leaves. But they're not going to wear that on Judgment Day. But also, if you're going to buy wear. Judgment Day to see what they're wearing, you already kind of did. So. Yeah, so, like but, how, how, how different can bikinis be, right? That's the... Truly. And we'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> and so then we have a, a, a Judgment Day, a rundown of the card here for Judgment Day. And so we have, it's the bikini challenge this again. Weird. This is yeah, weird. Oh, my gosh, like... Daniel. This is so strange what they do here. So what happens is Cole and Taz do this in a very traditional way. Yeah. Normal way. There's a bikini challenge is going to happen. Team Angle against Los Gros in a ladder match, although Chavo's already out and we know that. Brock Lesnar is going to go up against Big Show in a stretcher match. Mr. America is going to go up against Ronnie Piper. They don't have a graphic of that last one. And then weirdly, Cole and Taz then throw to Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, who are in studio in Connecticut. And but this is totally pre-recorded. It has to be. It has to be pre-recorded. And so they run down the, the raw portion of the card, which is the the Intercontinental title Battle Royal to re-debut the Intercontinental title. It's got a bunch of guys like Christian Jericho, Lance Storm in there. There's also going to be Tess and Scott Steiner against La Resistance. Uh, Trish against Jacqueline against Jazz against Victoria for the women's title. And Kevin Nash versus Triple H for the world title. And uh, Kevin Nash will have Shawn Michaels in his corner. Triple H will have Ric Flair. And there you go. Why would they do this, Daniel? The whole thing of the, the for months and months and months, when they have a pay per view with Raw and SmackDown matches, Cole and Taz just talk about all of them. They just yeah. say, that, you know, they kind of they they sometimes allude with the Raw stuff as though they are watching Raw. I'm like, oh, you got to see that. I mean, it's great. You're like you're kind of like a fan almost. Um, but I can't. What, what could possibly be a reason here? I, I I have no idea. I thought it was very weird, and I also thought it was weird that they were just like, hey, Jim, Jerry, pretend that you're talking to Michael Cole and Taz. As you record this thing. They're like, yeah. guys, you seem like you're having a fun time there. In Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah it, just, it just seemed to me like maybe, um, maybe there was some, like, criticism. Did, like, were, were Taz and Michael Cole not pumping up the Raw matches enough or whatever? Maybe, right? Like, that, that would be the one thing where you're like, or, or you want to do, have, like, show the other guys a bit more on there. I meet. I don't know. I mean, it's so funny though because it's also so so unnatural because it's not like, hey, we talked to them uh, before Raw last week and it's them sitting at the announcer table talking about it. No, they're in a studio standing next to each other in a way you never see them stand, and they talk through yeah. it that way. It's strange. Yeah. So so I wonder, did they do? I wonder if they did a similar segment with Taz and Colt. I wondered the same thing. I was not sure about that. I I, I couldn't find anything about it, but 
I would I would think that would only make sense. That's right. Yeah. And so from there we go, uh, Michael Cole and Taz continue on, and they start to interview Rey Mysterio, who's in the back. He's in the interview area. And he says, you know, I'll be able to wrestle in a couple weeks. And his new goal is he wants to be cruiserweight champion. That's his goal here on SmackDown, as if it was the most obvious thing in the world. What, what, okay. a, what, what a clearly articulated goal. I was so proud of him for just yeah. knowing what he wants. And he also says that after what happened to him, he was scared. And when, when Rey Mysterio is asked, do you think you'll ever step into the ring with Big Show again? He takes like 30 <laughs> seconds. So long. And he says, so like, I'm not on? sure I would. And you're like, you wuss. You're a wrestler. What are you talking about? You wouldn't step <laughs> in the ring with him again. He, he doesn't have guns for hands. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I can't answer that question right now. I was like, what a baby. Somebody kill him right now. This is sad. It's like, you're not going to. You your wish came true. Because a, a big sausage fingered hand reaches across the frame and grabs Rey Mysterio by the neck. And it's the big show. And we see him yank him out of frame. And he steals him from the interview area, carries him over his shoulder. We take a commercial break. Oh, boy. What, to, what could possibly happen during this commercial break? Well, you're not going to go to the bathroom. You're wrapped at your seat. You're like, oh, my gosh, he stole Rey Mysterio. We come back from commercial, and Big Show's music is playing, and Big Show's walking out. He has a stretcher, kind of the spine board thing in one hand, and Rey Mysterio over his shoulder in the other. That's right. And there's a couple of refs who are chasing him, which I appreciated this. The referees are chasing Big Show, being like, put him down, stop that, leave him alone. Uh, no wrestlers, I guess, but actually referees who are there. And so Big Show gets rid of them, and he takes Randy, puts him down, and he rips Rey Mysterio's shirt in a weird, weird way where only the top front comes off it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, how did that work? Like, it Breakaway like shirt. It looks like a gimmick shirt. Can I just say? It looks like someone they kind of they put a little yeah. something on there. And so he, he slaps him on the chest, chop style, and he picks him up. He tosses him into the ring, and then he puts the stretcher in the ring. But he puts the stretcher in the ring in such a way that you could seesaw him with it if you did the right thing with it. And that's exactly what happens here because Big Show is going to get in the ring, and he's putting his face right by where the stretcher stretcher is. And of course, Rey Mysterio jumps and lands on it, and he does the seesaw effect, and he hits Big Show with it. It's like, oh man! And Big Show stumbles, and he lands on the far ropes. In, a, in prime 619 position, and Ray comes in. He hits a 619 on Big Show, and I'm thinking, Ray versus Big Show. Can't wait to see this in the pay-per-view. But we're not going to see that. <laughs> so Ray goes up for a crossbody, but he gets caught and dropped by Big Show, kind of Samoan drop style. And Big Show lifts Ray up again, and finally, Brock Lesnar runs out. For the second time that night, the only thing he's done, he runs Just out. He's saving the day. Saving That's the day. right. He's a hero. He spears Big Show. He beats him with a stretcher. He gets Big Show up for the F5 with ease. And he drops him. Big Show kind of lands on his back, though. It's a lot closer to an FU. Kind of a strange F5, but I've seen him do that a couple times. Right. Uh, probably easier to lift him kind of up and over and turn a little bit than to, like, yeah. spin around the classic F5 way. Uh, but we'll see. There will be more F5s on Big Show in the future, thankfully. Uh, and so Brock then drops the stretcher on Big Show and leaves. And uh, Michael Cole says that on Sunday, Brock will have to roll Big Show out of the arena, like what I said earlier there. And that's not how a stretcher match works. That would take so much time. And then Big Show gets up. He's angry. He's yelling at Brock in the ring. And Brock is watching from the ramp. But we have a very tight fr- uh, very tight kind of camera shot here. And uh, Rey Mysterio hits Big Show with a bulldog from behind. And Big Show is more mad than ever. Rey runs out of the ring. We see Big Show. He's screaming. His neck veins are bulging. And Brock picks Rey up on his shoulders like he's a little kid. This very fantastic. So, this was so weird. This is so weird because it's like, Brock Lesnar never struck me as a person who would be friends with anybody, let alone Rey Mysterio, let alone, come here, buddy. You're the champion tonight. Like, well, he's, such he's a he, weird thing. 
when Ray hits the bulldog on Big Show and we see Brock's reaction, Brock's reaction is like, Haha, that's awesome. I'm glad that happened. I hate Big Show. That guy's a jerk. And so yeah. I kind of like it from the position of like, Brock is like, I'm not a big, I'm not a big jerk. But even just the thing of like, dude, I love it when you, when you beat up Big Show. That guy's such a jerk. He threw me off the stage. I'm a fan. It doesn't, the lifting up on the shoulder thing is like, you're a little kid. That's so, a little bit sad. So what, one, th- one thing that I want to criticize here is this spine board or stretcher board or whatever they yes. have. Big Show has Rey Mysterio written on it. That's crossed yes. out. Yes. And then he has Benoit written on it, but that's yeah. not crossed out. No. And he has Lesnar written on it. Wouldn't you wait to cross out the next name before you add another name to the list? Because now you're well, just getting a bunch of like overdue promises here. Well, he, last week he has a spine board and he had he had exactly the way you saw it there, and he was facing Benoit that night. And he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna put Benoit on this list. Uh, but then that got foiled, and so in theory that spine board is useless now because you know he didn't do the it thing that he had. No, it's promise. I guess in theory he could beat Lesnar on Sunday and then go be, get, go back and get Benoit with a stretcher in theory, but it's just it sad. Just, it's just sad. It just takes away the threat of the image. Like, yes. that's a cool that's a cool idea if you have Big Show coming out every night and crossing off a name, and then the next night and so you get you get this list of a bunch of superstars' names all crossed off. Yeah, that'd be a cool thing. I I could I could get behind a Big Show who's just like maiming people. Yeah. It makes sense, but it doesn't really work in the same effect here. Uh, I will say, uh, as Ray is on his shoulders and as Big Show is screaming, Taz says, on Sunday, there's no way Big Show can lose. Which right. Is, that's strange, because that's not true. And it hasn't been, that's not even the story either, where it's like, oh, he can't lose. It's like, no, that's not what we think. We did, we did that story before. We did. Absolutely. We did it. We did it to a great effect, not great effect, but to a a very long extent uh, this fall where Big Show was, we said Big Show can't be beaten, even though like Jeff Hardy beat him in like two minutes, you know, earlier in the year. I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, Something I'll also say here, and I didn't mention it earlier, uh, when Ray gets the neck, the hand on the neck when he's backstage before Big Show steals him, uh, Big Show has to be standing right next to him. Like, Like, it doesn't like, it doesn't make sense for Ray to not see Big Show there. Well, maybe, maybe maybe that's why he was waiting so long. He seemed to, like, hesitate a lot before he delivered that line. Maybe he was waiting for Big Show to get into frame. Get a position, yeah. Because it's one of those things, that, like, on TV, you're like, wow, he just grabbed him out of nowhere. It's like Big Show was standing within a foot of him for the last, like, eight minutes. He had to. Right. So else his arm wouldn't be there. So, yeah, we're told that Big Show can't lose. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, Brock and his little friend end the show. And so, Daniel, I'd love to get your final thoughts on the show. We've talked at length about it. There's a lot of interesting things in here. We rate the shows in this podcast using the SmackDown video games of the SmackDown 6 era. Let's Here Comes the Pain, Shut Your Mouth, and Just Bring It, which I forgot about for a second there. And that means that a show is bad. Here Comes the Pain. Eh, boring, lame, whatever. Shut Your Mouth. Or Just Bring It, where you're like, yes, I love it. Daniel, who was it tonight? Here Comes the Pain, Shut Your Mouth, or Just Bring It? Yeah, so this one's a shut your mouth for me. It's mm. uh, it's not as bad as we've seen, and I do appreciate that it kind of pushes some of the stories forward. Um, I'm I'm invested a bit more in some of the things like Hulk Hogan, and uh, I like I I'm not excited, but I'm I'm okay with Brock Lesnar versus Big Show here, and very intrigued about the ladder match. I thought that was a cool, um, that's cool. But if you're saying the travel's not in it anyway, I don't know what they're gonna do there. But anyway, it did oh, its yeah. job. It did its job. I'm not going to ask you to run out and watch it or anything like that. But, like, if I had watched this on, uh, what are we, Thursday nights? Yes. 
Thursday night in 2003, if I was watching this, I wouldn't be mad about it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And you're saying you're, you you're, you would might possibly buy Judgment Day if this was your you're watching this. You're like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Um. Okay. So shut your mouth for you. For me, yeah. There's barely any wrestling on this wrestling show. Like 21 minutes of a two-hour broadcast is very little time. Uh, Benoit Cena match was only okay. So it wasn't like it wasn't like oh at least that match exists. It's like eh, it's okay. So it's more of a here comes the pain for me. I'm, okay. I'm kind of, yeah, because I think I, I I'm just less enthralled with the the segmenty nature of it too. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that's gonna bring us to the end of our show. So next week's show for the podcast is Judgment Day 2003. So if you're gonna oh. watch that show uh, and then listen to the podcast, we're gonna be following pretty much just the uh, SmackDown matches in their entirety. We'll tell you what ha- what happens on Raw, but SmackDown matches we're gonna kind of go more in depth on. And those matches are Benoit, Rhino, and Spanky against Cena and the FBI. So that's a match that exists. They're going to do that. Looks like some tag action there. Team Angle is going to defend their tag team titles in a ladder match against Eddie Guerrero and... Do you want to guess who his partner is? Edge. Just kidding. Amazing. Uh, Tajiri. Thanks. So, yeah, we got a little Tajiri action there. Also, Roddy Piper's going up against Mr. Mr. America and Brock Lesnar and Big Show are in a stretcher match, as we talked about. So, you can watch those matches. Uh, and the Triple H Kevin Nash match is kind of crazy and bad in its own way. Uh, Triple H is just going out there and just sticking out the joint with Scott Steiner and Kevin Nash. So his 2003 looks like it's making it bad. Is, is, is he still is Triple H still wearing his shorts? Great question. Is he wearing shorts here? I don't think so, but he might be. Okay. Yeah, but the shorts are so bad. Good grief. Yeah. My gosh, that was so. Man, oh man, Triple H. I know I struggled. He was trying something to do. He was trying something to do. Man, I hope that. Uh, Listeners, my smack addict friends here, I hope you don't struggle the same way uh, with listening to the show as much as I struggle with Triple H wearing the shorts. And I appreciate you listening to the show. You know, if there's somebody in your life you think would like it, we'd love you to share the show with them. Uh, you can follow us on social media, SmackDown6 uh, Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you want to leave us a review on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, that would be great. I almost called it iTunes. iTunes does not exist anymore. It's Apple Podcasts and Apple Music. We're just on Apple Podcasts. So, want to listen if you want to give us a review there and uh, that'll help us in the ratings so people will, will find the show more easily which is great and uh, so that's gonna do it for us for this episode of the smash six podcast daniel of the punch word party on youtube thank you my man thank you matt i love you so i, I just it's a privilege absolutely privilege to have you here privilege to be in the ears of our smack addicts and uh i hope smack addicts that this week don't accidentally rip the leg out from under an amputee.